Welcome to Bubbles and Books, a podcast about two of the best things in life, books and champagne, brought to you by Amanda and Ellen, co-owners of your local independent bookstore, Dog-Eared Books in Ames, Iowa. First, give me a cheers. Okay, we're ready. And books are sexy. Welcome to a really important episode, episode 69 of Bubbles (laughs) and Books. I'm joined today by the one and only Mariah of many acronyms. You want to tell us some of your acronyms, Mariah? Uh, Well, there's BSM, which is an initialism, of course. Sure, whatever. And then Uh, there's SIM. Yep. And then the newest one is MIF. And what do those stand for, Mariah? (laughs) Um, BSM stands for Beef Stew Mariah. (laughs) Which is a nickname I got because I brought homemade beef stew for lunch one day. And you didn't share any with me. It was one serving. Um, And then 6-Ibuprofen Mariah is what SIM stands for, which is a story that you can ask me about if you're in the store. It would take too long. Basically, it means that Mariah considers 6-Ibuprofen hard drug use. <laughs> Which is why I uh, only did it like two times. <laughs> oh shit, rebel! Ah! Um, and then MIF stands for Mariah the Ideas Factory. So um, I guess you'll see the result of my factory work rolling out here. <laughs> we shall in the near future. And you know, come by the store sometime when Mariah's working, and you yourself can decide which initialism, acronym, whatever fits her that day yeah yeah (laughs) okay so it's kind of early in the morning i'm drinking a hazelnut latte what are you drinking i am drinking just a latte from from morning bell oh and i'm drinking my latte from cafe dm two coffee establishments yes on ames main street amazing main street businesses way to represent us okay what are you reading Mariah, what are you reading? I'm drinking. Quit Jesus. drinking lattes um, and participate. So you know me. I always have like 15 different things. I do know you. Uh, going on the burner. So right now I'm listening to um, like an old people living their lives and getting up to nefarious deeds book called The Sunset Years of Agnes Sharp, um, which I am only barely into. Uh, but I'm enjoying it so far. And then I'm also physically reading The Beast You Are by Paul Tremblay. Mm. Um, Paul Tremblay is like one of my absolute favorite contemporary horror writers. His book, A Head Full of Ghosts, is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite horror novels of all time. Yeah, you were telling me about that book recently, and I put it on my TBR. Yeah, so. yeah, it's so good. Because I trust your judgment, Mariah. Let me just Most say, the there was a, a customer that came in yesterday that was fangirling about my recommendations. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, oh. Why isn't Ellen here so that my boss can hear customers saying nice I things know, about me? I know you give great recommendations. Also, if you ever come in and Mariah's working, ask her to paint you a word picture. Yeah. <laughs> I love painting my word pictures. Um, you know, yesterday I also did try and sell dead romantics to somebody and I I didn't paint them it as a word picture. Uh, it just your didn't recommendations feel appropriate. are always best delivered as a word picture. Um, thank you. All right. So how about this? Paint us a word picture of head full of ghosts. Um, okay, so my word picture is this. To set the stage, I believe it begins in a coffee shop, but I read it many years ago at this point now. But it's a modern day reporter meeting with like this adult woman in her like 20s or 30s. And it is about this like cult classic haunting TV show where um, this teenage girl was believed to be possessed. And so it's like a docu-series of this young teenage girl's possession. And the woman being interviewed is the younger sister of the girl in that docu-series. And the, um, the whole series took place when this woman was like six or eight years old and so the reporter is asking this woman to recall when she was a child so it's that framed narrative situation going on and so then the whole book um is a frame within a frame within a frame because this is a word picture go on (laughs) 
This isn't quite House of Leaves level of frameception. But um, so then the woman recalls when she was a child and basically her family is in a little bit of financial straits and they invite in this docu crew to make this documentary about her older sister um, for the money, but also because maybe one of the parents does believe that it's a demonic possession. Um, but the whole book is told from this eight-year-old's perspective. And for her and for us readers, it is really unclear, is this a demonic possession or is this just severe, untreated mental illness? And I think that's what's so creepy about it is this whole book, it never settles on an answer. And so you're just left on tenterhooks this whole time until the very end when the little girl ends up maybe taking the story a little bit into her own hands um, with this really brilliant twist ending. Um Okay, no spoilers. I'm not going to spoil. I will say, though, that The Beast You Are, which I'm reading now, is a collection of short stories. And one of the stories references uh, a head full of ghosts because it's basically the comment section of this blog post the interviewer eventually posts about um, the conversation with the, the woman. And... Uh, that's what I love so much about Paul Tremblay is he's very like self-referential, but in ways that you wouldn't have had to have read a head full of ghosts for that story to still be fun. Yeah. Because um, there's also a story that references his other novel that was recently turned into an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Oh, shit. Um, so that one, the novel is called The Cabin at the End of the World. M. Night Shyamalan doesn't come up with his own shit anymore? No. Well, at least not this one. I would like to point out that Rachel is wearing a pink t-shirt and she literally just chugged some Pepto-Bismol. So it's a very pink <laughs> situation happening over here. It's been a stressful little while the books are okay. We're trying to get Barbara King's yeah, over and here. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Speaking of demons. <laughs> yes. By which I mean Rachel. No, I'm just kidding. Rude. Head full of ghosts. You can't shit talk me. I'm helping you. Rachel's helping me. That's right. I will. I will tone down the shit talking. Listen, friends. Listen, bitches. We need you. I need you. Barbara Kingsolver, the Babs, author of the Poisonwood Bible, one of the greatest books of all time, in my opinion, is holding a contest. Whichever indie bookstore who signed up for the contest sells the most hardcover copies of Demon Copperhead in the month of September will get Barbara Kingsolver to their store for an event. For the release of the paperback in April. So listen, that means if we sell the most copies of Demon Copperhead this month, Barbara Kingsolver will come to Dogyard Books. Okay? So you might be thinking, Ellen, I already have that book. I already read it. Shut up. Listen. Buy another copy for a friend. Okay? If you listen to it, buy a hard copy. If you don't live in Ames and you can't come by the store, uh, message us. Rachel will personally... Package up a box of Demon Copperhead and send it to you. And she does gently kiss every book before she sends it on its way. She does. She so chugs, packaged she chugs a little Pepto-Bismol. She gives it a loving kiss. She might even put like a sticker or something in there. She's going to put a sticker in there for you guys. Listen, can you get a better deal than that? I don't think so. Okay. Anyway. Amen. <laughs> Let's expel Barbara, the demon energy. Barbara forever. Okay, so anything else you're reading? Uh, well, since you have like 50. Well, I didn't know how many I'm allowed to talk about. Um, Give I, us like one more at least. I'm also reading If We Were Villains by M.L. Rio, which is a little bit of an older title. Um, also reminds me of Rachel. Go on. <laughs> um, but it's a very popular... Um, yeah, right. <laughs> Threats are being thrown. Um, it's a it's a dark academia novel set at like this elite um university level Shakespearean Academy. And the book opens with one of the members of the Shakespearean troupe um talking with a retiring police officer after serving almost all of his sentence for something that we don't know about at the beginning of the book. Um, and then after that opening scene of this guy being like, okay, fine, I will tell you what actually happened. Um, that led to me being in prison. And then it flashes back to the senior year 
of this Shakespearean troupe and our main character, I believe his name is Oliver. Um, and so then it's him and his friends uh, in their senior year. They just got casted for roles and Julius Caesar. And like, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, the writing is really good. I'm enjoying it a lot. It's definitely in the vein of like uh, the secret history. Oh, I love that book. Um, or like, playing bad heroines which is another dark academia you one. like dark love. academia in the yes. fall i know this about yes you. which is why i'm super excited it's not a new release this week but it's a new release two weeks from now it's called a study in drowning by ava reed mm. um and ava reed primarily writes um adult fantasy but this is her ya debut and it's um like an enemies to lovers set in this really dreary like welsh countryside based on welsh folklore story of this girl who's trying to carve a place for herself in academia uncovering the truth behind the legacy of her favorite author um and i read it like a month ago now and have not been able to stop thinking about it so it comes out on september 19th that's awesome. And speaking yeah. of legacies of favorite authors, part of Barbara's legacy could be visiting Dog It Eared could Books be. If and you it becoming her favorite book. bookstore. But she might never discover her favorite bookstore. Oh, my God. That'd be terrible. I know. So come and buy Demon Copperhead, please. <laughs> please. please. <laughs> okay. So um, this might be really shocking to you, but we don't always record on a regular schedule. And we actually recorded our last podcast a few days ago. So I'm reading the same shit I was reading, which is... <laughs> You're not three books deep now? No, I'm nettle, I'm still doing Nettle and Bone. Oh, nettle and Bone um, is so I good. But I sort of like put it down um, last couple nights and I've been working my way through West Heart Kill, which is a fantastic murder mystery. Um, but since I've already described that on this podcast, I do want to talk about a book that I know you have read or started to read because mm -hmm. I read it kind of in between episodes and I don't think I ever talked about it on the podcast. It's called Hey Hun mm -hmm. by Emily Paulson. Mm -hmm. And it's a memoir about this woman who got, was like in super deep with a multi-level marketing yeah. company or <clears throat> pyramid scheme. And it's her experience for like sort of how she got sucked into it um, and then all that happened afterwards. And she actually got in kind of at the top. So she was making bank. Yeah, she got the free car and everything. The quote unquote free car. The price, your soul. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. It was interesting to me because, you know, the, her story takes place like I think around like 2010 was when she got into it. Yeah. And, you know, those MLMs seem to target, you know, white, um, middle, upper class, or middle and upper class white women uh, who are stay at home moms. Well, it depends on the MLM, right? Because a lot sure. of them also target lower income women with this yeah. promise of financial security and independence. Right. Yeah. I guess at the top, they're yeah. they're targeting um, the white stay-at-home mom. Yeah. And I was a white stay-at-home mom in that time frame. And I knew a lot of people who were doing these things. Um I didn't know anyone who was anywhere near the top of any of them. Mm. Um, and I've never really asked them about their experiences, but I do remember it being like, wow, how come like all these people I know are doing these MLMs now? And I'm like always being asked to yeah. buy things or like get on a phone call or come try, like come to a little party or something. Did you ever go to, do you ever have like people who do that to you? Or was that like more of a so early 2010s thing? In the early 10s and, and teens, I was in my late teens. I know, you're young. Yeah. Um, so I do remember going to, oh, I think it was a Mary Kay party. Um, and I remember being totally like nonplussed. I can't even remember what the friend that invited me told me it was going to be. Um, oh, Oh, probably like a spa day. Yes. Situation. Yes. Yeah, that, that bullshit got pulled on me one time. Yes. And you know, I was young. I was like maybe. Facial. Do you want yes. facials? We're doing facials at our house. Yes. I was like 17. And I remember the Mary Kay lady was like, here's some nice warm water for you to wash your face. <laughs> and like, here, try this, whatever. Um, and I think I ended up buying a bottle of hand cream because. It was just weird and pressuring. And yeah, I um, 
I don't love it. I know one of my mom's closest friends uh, is a pampered chef affiliate. I don't know the the word for it. Um, And I don't think she really does parties anymore. But um, we've gotten lots of pampered chef things from her, which I, I like. But Mariah and I have also grown up in the era of K-Fine. Yes. Oh, yeah. I know you have. Yeah. The, I mean, the title is like pretty funny because yeah. like how I mean, I've definitely been on the receiving end of that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And I'm just like mm, ghosted. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, well, no. the thing that's been like a little annoying to me is um, like you said, when you're sort of hooked by thinking it's something other than it is. Mm-hmm. I remember one time I was um, cleaning hotel rooms. That was my job. And I met this. Uh, other gal who was cleaning hotel rooms and we would like you know sometimes we would work on our rooms together and she was really nice and we like kind of had this work friendship and she invited um me and my husband over for supper with her and her husband I don't even remember the name of the MLM but it was like they had they like literally had like the easel thing set up and like the flip chart and they were like pitching this thing to us and they're like you seem like smart people do you want to join this and I after that like I never wanted to hang out with her again Mm because I was like I thought we were friends like you just were you just talking to me because you wanted to sell me shit like yeah now I'm a customer I'm not a friend yeah and also like you duped me I mean like you could have just said like hey I do this thing I don't know if you'd ever be interested in but like don't like (laughs) Don't present lie to me it about as it. one thing. Um, and so, but I, this book, you know, they do kind of encourage their people to do stuff like that. I'd be interested to hear what other people think of this book. I had a hard time, like, having a whole lot of sympathy for the author. I struggled with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm a little, I'm not super duper far into it um, because now it's fall and I will only be reading <laughs> witchy romances or horror novels and alternating between the two for the the duration of the season. Um, (laughs) But something that really struck me in the beginning of the novel is basically the spider's web that these companies lay for, for these people is this promise of not only like financial success and wealth and security, but also of community. Yeah. And And I, I can, I can, I get that. Yeah. And we were talking about this at um, the official book club this month, this month, last month, when we were talking about um, chain gang all stars um, in relation to football games, Um, because my family is very much a football family. I grew up loving football. I do still love football. Um, even if I can acknowledge that it has some serious, you know, safety concerns and like cultural issues. And, um, but the position that football holds in our society is very much a place of community. Like if you think of the small town stereotype of everybody, even people who don't have school age children going to the high school football game on Friday nights and like all of the tailgating that happens around college football, like that's because it's this place of community and we really don't have many spaces for community oriented community building activities. And these MLMs also know that, right? And so they promise this is going to be a community for you. You will not have to be lonely. You will have yeah. these people around that are going to support you and care about you. And when you, ha- you know, when, if you are a stay-at-home mom with young children, mm-hmm. that, that is really isolating. Yeah. It's really isolating. Yeah. Um, I mean, been there and done that. And I, I can see the, attra- the, you know, the attractiveness of that for sure. So that's why I think... Um, that's why I love book clubs. Again, I got the self-destructive urge to start another book club. Um, (laughs) so I might do, I might be on here again, talking about that soon, but, um, because book clubs are a great place to have a community and, um, talk about the things you like to read and, you know. And Mariah is an excellent book club facilitator. Thank you. I would say, oh, no, I'm not. But no, I know yeah. I am. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, Don't pretend to be humble, Mariah. No, certainly it. not. Own it. <laughs> not humble Mariah. NHM. <laughs> That's a new one. NHM. Not um, humble Mariah. Yeah. So that I, I'll be curious to see if that through line follows through the book. Um, it does. Um, I would say it's sort of... Um, you know, it deepens for her because the deeper she gets into it, the more she like um, it's such a huge part of her life that she's yeah. very much like blinded to the 
like harm she's causing. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's an interesting book. I It's one I wouldn't mind talking about with people. So that's Hey Hun by Emily Paulson. Okay. <clears throat> by the time this podcast airs, we will know the results. But we are heading into one of the biggest rivalries in Iowa this weekend. The Cyhawk Showdown. F-T-H. Here F-T-H. In the 50010. Who are you rooting for? Obviously the Cyclones. Thank you. Although, so growing up, I went to Gilbert, you know, and a lot of the coaches' kids go to Gilbert, and many of the coaches' kids are very, very nice. Uh, but the ones in my grade were, were not excellent. <laughs> um, and so growing up, I hated Iowa State because I knew all these coaches' kids. I told my parents I would never, ever, ever go to Iowa State. I was for sure going to go to the University of Iowa um, because of their writing program, and I wanted to be a writer. And then when it came to my senior year, I did my visit at Iowa and it was awful. And it was like so clear that they didn't care about me. And uh, it was just not a good experience as a hopeful young teenager um, wanting to go to school. And so my mom begged and begged and begged for me to do an official visit at Iowa State. And I'm like, mom, I've been to Iowa State 10,000 times. And she's like, but it's different when it's an official visit. And so I did go to my visit at Iowa State, and it was a great experience. And I did end up becoming a cyclone. And my friends and family have made fun of me for it for the whole rest of my life (laughs) because I always swore that that would never happen. Um, But yeah. Also, growing up in Ames was like, I won't ever go to Iowa State. Yep. And then I went to Iowa State. And I loved it. (laughs) Yeah. I I loved it. I had a great experience at Iowa State. I had amazing professors. I was in tons of clubs. Like, it it was a great time. Um, So, very much so thoroughly from the bottom of my heart, fuck the Hawks. (laughs) All right. Okay. So, in honor of epic rivalries, Mm -hmm. we will be discussing great rivalries that are bookish related yes okay so what is the most epic rivalry the most well-known rivalry do you think so yeah i think the thing that immediately comes to mind is romeo and juliet the montagues and the capulets oh my god whoa can you even (laughs) i get so heated about this rivalry what the fuck mccurtbarcaccio I always just think about the Leo DiCaprio version, the Romeo plus <laughs> Juliet by Baz Luhrmann, yeah. which is my favorite adaptation. It was a um, great 90s movie. God, I love Baz Luhrmann. He's so good. <laughs> and of course, Leo at that age was so dreamy mm. before he became like a child. Mm. Oh, my God. He was very dreamy in the 90s. Yes. For sure. Yes. Peak Leo. Peak Leo. Okay. So then we are the Team Montague. <laughs> Sure, I always forget. <laughs> He's the Montague. Romeo, Montague, Juliet, Capulet. See, I do know my Shakespeare, okay? I feel like I need to defend. I don't really. Um, I had a brilliant Shakespeare professor at Iowa State, Dr. Linda Shank. She is brilliant. I also met my husband at a Shakespeare production. Uh, but But I got to be honest, I have not read Romeo and Juliet probably for 12 years. <laughs> I read it in high school. Yeah. And then when I taught high school, we did Macbeth. Oh, gosh. Which I discontinued after like a year. It's pretty gnarly. Um, It is gnarly. But this will not be a Shakespeare breakdown podcast. No, no. Um, no. This is like, this is much more important. Let's. Yeah, yeah. Um, So then we started thinking about, well, what are other great rivalries (laughs) in literature? And while we will talk about some author versus author ones a little later, uh, what immediately sprung to mind for me was Sally Rooney versus quotation marks. And I got to say, I'm on team quotation marks. Thank you. I'm reading. So the the book I recently read, The Great Transition. Mm hmm. Um, I enjoyed that book, but also no quotation marks. But there was also a lot of like inner life of the character. Mm. And that for me was like, I couldn't, I had to like reread things like, oh, is she talking or is she thinking? Yeah. And then I'm like, what the fuck decision was this to not put quotation marks in? I don't, I can, okay, listen, girl, woman, other, Bernadine Everest, so no fucking punctuation marks at all in mm-hmm. that book. It makes sense. 
with the story that she's telling. Yeah. That might be the only example of a book where I understand the lack of punctuation. Yeah, like if it's a stylistic choice, and arguably it is always a stylistic choice. It is, but it has to make sense. I want to know why. Yeah. So I, I know that a lot of people out there very much love Sally Rooney. I do not begrudge you anything that brings people joy in literature. Hey, listen, I, I read Normal People. I enjoyed it. But I'm, I would I have liked it more with quotation marks? 100%. Yeah, for sure. 100% I would have liked it more with quotation marks. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel's like, I love Sally Rooney. As she chugs Pepto-Bismol and rubs lotion all over herself. He rubs the <laughs> lotion on its skin. Yeah, talking about me like an old lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like kind of how you're acting, Rachel. Meanwhile, I'm going knitting. And Mariah's knitting. And I'm the oldest one here. I'm going through some things, okay? <laughs> She's, listen, folks. Rachel's going through some things. She found a domesticated duck amongst some wild ducks. And it's really stressing her out. And she's been calling all around trying to help this domesticated duck. And she doesn't know what to do. So if you really want to help her feel better, buy Demon Copperhead. Yes. Um, okay. So next we have, <laughs> we were talking about this author. And you, I think you phrased it really well. Hanya Yanagihari versus having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, do I want to read this book that everyone is talking about? That or will do I- crush my soul. Or do I want to feel like okay about myself and also <laughs> life in general? And, and you know what? People. <laughs> for 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 one time in my life, for the only time in my life, I did pick um, feeling okay <laughs> for reading reading this book. Um, so she, so she wrote a little life. Yes, um, and then she she's written some other books. She wrote the people in the trees to and, paradise came to out paradise. Um, and I've read the people in the trees, and I have read a little life, and they're both fantastically written books. They're mm-hmm. wonderful books. But they're also like make you feel like shit. Yeah. Yeah. That is what I've heard. <laughs> when someone comes in the store and they're like, and this is a real thing. And it's yes. happened to me multiple times. And yes. I know it's happened to you too. Someone will be like, I want a book that makes me cry. And then I'm always like, well, what kind of crying are you talking about? Yes. Like you want to be moved or do you want like your heart ripped out of your chest? You want to be like sobbing inconsolably in the corner for five hours. Yes. If that, if the, if the latter is your choice, then I give them a little life. See, arguably, that's one of the hardest questions for me to get because I'm a huge crybaby. I cry over everything. It is such a low bar for me to cry at a book. I describe A Little Life as a book that kicks you when you're down. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And, you know, I will always uh, uh, – that book lives prominently in my mind because I had just picked it up and started reading it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't start out, like, kicking your ass. Yeah. And – it was the book I happened to be reading when I unexpectedly went into labor with Holden. Oh, goodness. And so he was born a month early. So anyway, you know, we're packing everything up for to go to the hospital. And that's the book that's on my nightstand. So I throw it in the bag. And that's the book I read in the hospital with my newborn. Should I tell my <laughs> hospital literature story? Yes. So um, if you've been in the store um, and saw me, I might have told you about my hospitalization earlier this summer. I ended up having a really nasty infection in my leg that I was in the hospital and then had several weeks of recovery and I wasn't in the store for like a month, which I have not been away from. stupid. Yeah, I've not been away from the store for more than like three days (laughs) since I started my employment here. And um, my favorite book of all time is John Green's The Anthropocene Reviewed. Mm. And it is the book that I revisit whenever I'm stressed or anxious or whatever. And so when my husband was like helping me into our car to drive me to the ER, um, I put on The Anthropocene Reviewed, the audiobook. And the chapter that I just happened to be on was John's review of Staphylococcus aureus. And it did turn out that the bacteria <laughs> colonizing my body was Staphylococcus aureus. <laughs> Oh my god! So, um, shout out to John Green. I love you Fate. so much. The um, universe. Yeah, the universe was like, we know, we see you. <laughs> I actually had a conversation with um, a customer yesterday, and she brought a book to the counter, and it, I think it was called Eight Ways to Love. It's in Mind, Body, Spirit. Oh yeah, by Jay Shetty. And yeah, yes, and she had listened to the audiobook. She wasn't very far into it, and she was like. I'm not, I just started this book and it's changed my life Mm. and now I need to buy the hard copy. And she said she never reads like self-help books, Mm -hmm. never has, but she was in the store like walking around or something and she's like, she saw it 
And so she, so then she got the audio book. Yeah. <laughs> but she was like, it just like, she was like, isn't that just coincidence? I mean, that's not just coincidence. That's, that's like the universe putting something in your yes. path that yeah. like you wouldn't normally notice it and you notice it and it's exactly what you need. Yes. Which is why, um, a book I just finished actually, uh, what you are looking for is in the library. Oh yeah. I have that at yeah. home. I haven't read it yet. And it's very much just like a book about reading that right book at the right time, um, that can have the power to completely change your life. That's the magic of reading. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't know what percentage of books I read do that for me, but enough that I will always chase yes. that. I will always yes. chase that. It's like I also just, fi- I I just finished. I promise you, when I say I just finished this book, I mean like within two days. Um, <laughs> so I did finish the, the the book, What You Were Looking For is in the library. I finished that on like Wednesday. And then I finished. We're all doubting you, Mariah, but go on. Yeah. And then I just finished You Again also on Wednesday. Uh, it's called You Again by Kate Goldbeck. And um, it's brilliant and phenomenal. And it's a retelling of when Harry met Sally. Um, but as soon as I finished reading that book, I was like, okay, I need to have another book that is this exact reading experience. I know. But a different book. Or like when you're the feeling when you're reading a book and you love it so mm-hmm. much. And then you know that like, the next book you read is just is not gonna live up to it. I hate I that feeling. Where like, I don't, and you want to savor it, so you kind of like slow down. Oh no, I gorged myself on you again. <laughs> I so I finished what you are looking for is in the library on my commute to work. I, it's an audiobook. I'm not reading while I'm driving. I would hope not. Um, uh, I have a spotless driving record. And then um, um, NHM in the house. <laughs> NHM, NHM is here to house. play. Let me also knock on wood. Um, and then I started you again, again, halfway through my commute on audio. And then I finished it that night. Because you just like couldn't. I, I couldn't. It was that good. I think it comes out next week. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted that reading experience immediately. And it did make me cry. Which okay. again, very low bar, very low bar. All right, for me. I'll have to read that one. I'll tell you if it makes me cry. Okay. All right, our next rivalry is <laughs> Norse <laughs> versus Greek mythology. Now, listen, these retellings are super hot, have been yes. for a while, okay? And it seems to have come down a little bit to the Norse and the Greek. Yeah. Thoughts? Yeah. Um, well, of course, I have to admit that I am biased toward the Norse. Not only because I am Norwegian. Um, Do you eat kumla? No. Then you're not Norwegian. Okay, I'm just not your kind of Norwegian. <laughs> I'm not Norwegian. My husband's Norwegian. Well, maybe he's a fake Norwegian. No, because we eat kumla. We eat kringla and so lesa. So Whatever. Um, but also because dear friend and friend of the store, Genevieve Gornacek, writes the most brilliant Norse and Icelandic-inspired novels um, and I remember my reading experience with Witch's Heart was just one of abject awe that like literature could do this. That one also made me weep. Um, again, low, low bar. Um, so I am biased in that regard. But I also read um, a book earlier this summer called Medusa's Sisters by Lauren J.A. Bear at Genevieve's recommendation. And it was like one of the most moving, like emotionally excoriating books that I have ever read <laughs> in my life. Um, so I think this one I I will remain neutral on. Now, if we want to talk about which pantheon of gods would kick the other pantheon <laughs> of gods' asses, that is a conversation that I might have opinions on. Okay. Well, I'm with you. Um, who do you think would win in the pantheon of gods? I think... From my understanding, which again is informed mostly by Percy Jackson and the Olympians, um, the Thor movies and Genevieve's books, uh, I think the Greeks fuck around just a little bit too much. You know what? I think you're right. They spent Zeus spends way too much time becoming a cloud of mist or a swan, and not enough time getting shit done. There's a lack of focus. Yeah, there's a real lack of focus. And so I feel like the the Norse they do like to you know play hoo ha with the fuck around gang, and they like (laughs) having a good time. Um, But I think Odin could get down to business just a little bit more. All right, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. All right, next we have, now this is a character in the very popular book, Lessons 
in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. Did you forget the title? I was going to say Lessons of Chemistry. It's Lessons in Chemistry. Correct. By Bonnie Garmus. And the main character in that book is Elizabeth Zott, Mm -hmm. who is a chemist Mm -hmm. um, in like the 1950s. Yeah. And, you know, she's in in a male-dominated profession and all the things that come with that. So Elizabeth Zott versus the patriarchy. I mean, Elizabeth Zott wins. Yeah, but well, sort of. The patriarchy, the patriarchy does persist. It does persist. Yes. And so it's like, can you really win against this giant cultural powerhouse that has had a chokehold over Western civilization for 6,000 years? So, I mean, maybe the depressing answer to this rivalry <laughs> is that while we want, Elizabeth Zott did prevail in her own life. Yes. And we are team Elizabeth Zott. Maybe one woman against the patriarchy just can't quite cut it. <laughs> no matter Fuck. how valiant her efforts. Um, it's kind of like uh, what Ken says in the Barbie movie. Once I learned the patriarchy wasn't about horses, I kind of lost interest. Um, and so, yeah, once Elizabeth Zott won her fight, can we really ask for more? No. No. All right. Next. T. Kingfisher's horror books. Or fairy tale books. Now, listen, I can't speak like, okay, I can speak a little bit to this, but I've not read very much T. Kingfisher. You are more the T. Kingfisher expert. Yes, I am the T. Kingfisher girly. Yes. Um, Bailey and I were talking one night as we were closing about like what booksellers have what books belong to them as it were so like ba- babel <laughs> is very possessive babel is my book the anthropocene reviewed is my book yes Bar- we can all like these books yes we can give recommendations but we know that the book is truly possessed yes so like um you own chain gang all-stars i would like to say that we have joint custody whereas amanda no, more no, so no, we're, not, we're not working out any well then we're gonna have to go to court for our custody agreement bullshit um but bailey was like well t kingfisher is yours and i'm like oh, i love that um <laughs> because i love t kingfisher but this is going to be a bold statement especially because her book what moves the dead um got super popular last year and is Phenomenal. It is I did so good. I have read that book. It is very good. It is so, so good. And there is a sequel coming out. Um, but to me, T. Kingfisher's fairy tale retellings are where it's at. Um, and I think it could be a personal thing, but her fairy tales are always just so moving and filled with just this persistent gentleness in the face of cruelty and moral badness. And that like reacting to things with a spine of steel, but also from a perspective of kindness, like mm. it reminds me of one of my very favorite Brandy Carlisle songs. Yeah. Stay gentle. Are you going to sing it for us? Stay gentle. Stay gentle. That's all I'm going to sing for you. Yeah. Otherwise we it's would get copyright claimed. You can be. Yes. Yeah. Um, Which is why, and I think that that's in her horror too, but her new one, Thornhedge, just came out. And I remember reading the arc of Thornhedge and like being so moved by it that my husband was like, what's wrong? Are you okay? (laughs) And I'm like, I just read this, this passage in this book and it just rocked me to my very core. Uh, It's very much about like, you can forgive yourself for the bad things people have done to you. And the magic of it, I think, is that she does it in like 150 pages. All of these books are so short. They're so short. Yeah, they are. And they are just so, so good. So for me, her fairy tales went out over her horror every day of the week. But I think Bailey would have something to say about that. Okay. Maybe we'll have Bailey on here to um, argue for horror sometime. Yes. All right. A great literary feud. (laughs) Ernest Hemingway versus F. Scott Fitzgerald. So when I uh, told you this rivalry yesterday, you immediately responded exactly the way I was thinking. Uh, on three, are we going to say it together? Yeah. One, two, three. Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald. <laughs> I am an ardent. 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 She really enunciated that. Hemingway hater. Ooh. 
hate Hemingway. Well, he was kind of a dick. Yeah. So, like, as a person, I've never met him. He doesn't seem... <laughs> you You haven't? No. Um, he's not... Wow. I thought everyone had. <laughs> yeah, I just missed out. I wasn't at work that day when he popped by. Um... Yeah, so I'm a Victorianist, so I am just like morally and artistically opposed to modernism as a movement at large. Uh, And I just think Hemingway's books aren't good. I understand that they're important for like the literary canon as it stands, Uh, but he can eat dirty socks for all I care. Um, Fitzgerald is moving and beautiful and I'm with you. I I never enjoyed a Hemingway book. Yes. But I do love. But Great Gatsby? Uh, perfection. Yes. It, and and that's a book I have reread several times. Yes. And it's wonderful every time. And it holds up. And how many times a week do I compare something to Gatsby staring <laughs> out at the say, green light at the end of say, the dock? One of the rivalries uh, is, Hemi, or, is Jay Gatsby versus the light at the, the end, end of the, the dock. <laughs> I think we know who wins. <laughs> Oh God, that's another great Baz Luhrmann. <laughs> that's another great Baz Luhrmann Leo DiCaprio movie. Yeah, yeah. I actually really liked that uh, yeah. version of it. Yeah. Um, so Fitzgerald wins. If you want to come fight with us about it, don't bother. You're gonna lose. You would waste your breath. We were. I don't even remember where we were, but we were like on the interstate not that long ago, and there was a billboard with like the eyes. <clears throat> And it was a clear reference to me to Great Gatsby. Oh, yeah. And I said something to my husband. He was like, what? And he's never read The Great Gatsby. Uh, It it actually talks about in the Anthropocene Reviewed how The Great Gatsby became like a a part of the American canon. And it was because of these paperback soldiers editions of books. Um, Yeah, because it initially did not, was not popular. Everyone was like, this is way worse than all of his other stuff. And of course, now it's one of the greatest, known as one of the greatest books of American literature, rightly so. Um, which is to say, you should also just read the Anthropocene Review to find out more about you that should. story. That is an excellent book. Even though it's Mariah's book, I endorse it. Yes. Um, I'm going to skip around our little list here. This is um, a rivalry that everyone should have opinions on. Team Edward versus Team Jacob. I am 100% Team Jacob. Now I feel bad Why that would Amanda you wanna, isn't like, here. Fuck around with a dead guy, and also like that's so unhealthy. <laughs> that relationship is so unhealthy. I don't even I know where to ki- start. I love you, but I want to kill you. Um, I don't even know where to start because again, Jacob imprints on an infant. Yeah, because they took that series in a wackadoodle direction. Uh, and in case... She, she had to find a way to get rid of to make us feel better about Bella not choosing Jacob. So she made up this weird fucking conclusion to that that mm-hmm. is, I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. But let's before Renesmee comes in the picture, which, screw her. I hate her as a character. Um, Love her as our vacuum, though. <laughs> yeah, our vacuum's name is Renesmee. She yes. got named without my knowledge. I would have. Yeah, because Ellen choice. was an absent vacuum parent. <laughs> no, Ramona was the old vacuum. Renesmee is the new vacuum. And again, if you had qualms, you should have raised it before she started responding to the name. <laughs> uh, I am Team Switzerland. Which is what I always said when I was a teen, super into Twilight. But I will say, um, if you didn't know already that the reason Jacob apparently liked Bella originally, and this is from an official like World of Twilight book that Stephanie Meyer yeah, wrote. But this is bullshit. It is because she or uh she wrote that Jacob already could sense the egg in Bella's ovary would become <laughs> Renesmee. And so it was already that imprint energy emanating from that singular ovum that drove Jacob to Bella. I don't believe it. I don't which buy is it. just so deeply fucked. <laughs> um that yeah, I don't know what to say about it. Um but I I am team neither. I am I am team let, can't everybody just have a good time? Well, no, you can't when you both love the same woman and one of you's a vampire. One okay, of one of them loves no, the woman, can't. one of them loves her ovum. So <laughs> I don't buy that. I think that's stupid. Amen. I refuse to accept it. 
Okay. Um, in this same vein, sexy vampires versus scary vampires. And to that I say, aren't all vampires sexy vampires? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't read a lot of vampire literature. So I, I'm not an expert on this. You should. I personally have never thought that vampires were sexy, even like of the Twilight variety. See, I, I the the cultural moment hit right at the at the exact necessary moment to give me a complex for the rest of my life. <laughs> you were a lustful teen. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you're saying, Mariah? <laughs> I'm saying that I, I was but a delicate teenager, um, preyed upon by vampires. Yeah. Um. So I will say I have very strong opinions about vampire literature, like. The Vampire Academy series by Rochelle Mead, filled with sexy vampires, um, is probably my favorite vampire series, as well as the Morganville Vampire series, uh, which, again, delicious, delightful, but the <laughs> um, romantic pairs in that are not vampires, so it doesn't qualify for sexy vampires as much. But I just finished My Roommate is a Vampire by, I think, Jenna Levine. And that one is delightful and hilarious and had me literally howling with laughter um, because it mentioned my favorite K-drama in it as well. (laughs) Um, And so I screamed so loud that like when I came into work, my voice was gone. So I would argue even scary vampires are also sexy vampires because isn't it's all just penetration. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Mom, don't listen to this. Words of inspiration. It's all just penetration. Podcast title. <laughs> That's the podcast title. No, but it's 69. It can't be about Our penetration. Our 69th episode. It's all about <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, God. Okay. All right. You are let's, my boss. Let's choose one more. You see one more on this list you want to tackle? Um, I don't know. You can pick. Tree books versus mushroom books. So a shit ton of both. We do. Yes. Um, I am team tree books because mushroom books creep me out. Mushrooms are not plants. They are not animals. I do not trust them. I don't even like eating them. Yeah. I'm not me them either. Because let me just say, like, I understand that the show and the video game are not intended to be a cautionary tale. Um of The Last of Us, of course, is what yes, I'm referencing. Yes, I've been um, watching that. And like Mexican Gothic, also probably not real, but it's a little too close to being able to be real for me to want to voluntarily imbibe these not plant, not animal, mutant, hybrid monster <laughs> things. Yeah. Literally or in your mind through literature. Both, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it freaks me out too much. It's too good. So but, we're team tree. We are team tree. Hug a tree today. Hug a fucking And then tree. thank it for becoming Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. And we we probably should also address another rivalry because we are going to, I mean, by the time this airs, it will be over. Thank God. But we are having a visitor to town this week for this IHOT game. And that is mm. Donald J. Trump. So Boo. how about Trump versus democracy? Well, <laughs> according to the outcome of January 6th, democracy won that day. <laughs> and we hope it continues. Amen. Um, and we will, uh, you know, we've got some reading recommendations for Trump since he's about to have some time on his hands. All right. When we come back, we will be telling you what's coming out this week and what's popping at the store. We are partnering with bookshop.org for this episode. If you go to our bookshop.org page, um, you'll find a list of the titles mentioned in today's podcast. Use the coupon code Bubbles and Books and you'll get 10% off those titles. All right, out this week in hardcover, we have The Vaster Wilds by Lauren Groff, which I read and fucked me up in the head. And then I gave it to Bailey and I said, read this book and tell me if it fucks you up in the head. She read it, fucked her up in the head. Then I gave it to Ava, said, read this, tell me if it fucks you up in the head. She put it down. She DNF'd it. But listen, The Vaster Wilds. If you've ever read any Lauren Groff, you know that she is a super talented writer. 
Uh, and she doesn't always play by the rules. So as I was reading this book, I kept thinking, like, I know she's she's doing something. She's playing with me. But I don't know how. And I would say that this is a book that is worth finishing because it is brilliant, but it's different and it's going to require some patience and stamina. Here's the premise. 1700s, there's this girl and she's like maybe 12 or 13 and she's living in a colonial settlement, but like a fort, like it's, it's walled. And the book begins with her escaping and we don't know what she's done but she's done something bad and she's running away to avoid punishment and we know that she's being pursued and so the book follows her journey through the vast wilderness and she's taken just like a few things with her she has like a tin cup she has some fabric um i think maybe she has like a little knife or something but she she has a few items and she's just surviving in the wilderness with the hopes that she will reach some sort of civilization um, further north and the book follows her just through this survival journey it is really bleak and um it will make you feel some things that's all i'm gonna say read this book it has a beautiful cover it's got a tree on the cover like the tree we we, we favor trees on this episode okay faster wilds by lauren groff and then talk to me about it because it's a book I want to talk about. As soon as I finished it, I was like, someone needs to read this book right now. And Bailey was my victim. Next book, <clears throat> Rouge by Mona Awad. And this book actually sounds really interesting. So this author wrote the book Bunny, which I've not read, <clears throat> but some of our booksellers have read it. It's been pretty popular. This is horror. And it's about this woman, Belle, who's like um, – very obsessed with like her skincare routine um, and that type of beauty or wellness. And then one day her mother from whom she's estranged dies and Belle goes to the funeral where she meets this mysterious woman who draws her into this like um, beauty cult that Belle's mother was a part of and things get a little bit fucked up. Next, we have Fall of Ruin and Wrath by Jennifer L. Armentrout. Have you read any of Armentrout? I have not, but I know I know both Bailey and Katie read this one. And if I recall correctly, they both enjoyed it immensely, but could not tell you a single thing about what it was about after reading it. <laughs> so it's not, the, from my understanding, this is not a part of a series. Correct. This is a standalone um, but Jennifer Amitra has series and fantasy. So the main character is Callista, and she is born with like this superb intuition. And the way that the world is arranged is you've got like nine cities, but they're all separated. Um, and there's like the wilderness between them is like full of monsters and demon <clears throat> copperheads and all sorts of dangerous shit. Okay. So Callista has this um, intuitive talent, and so she lives as a courtesan for this uh, baron, and in exchange for her safety and living with him, she gives him information um, that she gets from her intuition, or claircognizance, as we might say. And um, one day, her intuition leads her to save this traveling prince who has come into their city, and... She feels that he's super hot, but also he might be trouble. And when the Baron takes interest in this prince and Callista and the prince are sort of like maybe liking each other, she becomes a prince's companion, but there's all sorts of um, trouble brewing underneath. So that's what it's about. I think it's like love story, kind of, but I wouldn't call it a romance. In paperback, we have Nona the Ninth, Out in Paperback by Tamsin Muir. This is the third book in the Locked Tomb series, super popular. The first one, the first one is Gideon the Ninth. Um, this has been a finalist for numerous awards, and it is a staff and customer favorite at Dog Eared Books. Lucy by the Sea <laughs> by Elizabeth Strout. Um, this is uh, main character Lucy Barton. The world's gone in lockdown, pandemic, and she and her ex-husband, who are like sometimes friends, um, go to live in this house in Maine. Um, and so they're, you know, in this house um, by the sea. It's in Lucy Maine because Lucy by the sea. And, 
you know, they're they're living in lockdown together. And you can imagine two people who used to be married in lockdown together are having to deal with some shit. Okay. Next in kids, uh, Vlad the Fabulous Vampire. Um, this vampire, I hope Mariah does not find sexy. Vlad is a vampire <laughs> who has the misfortune of having very rosy cheeks. And if you're a vampire, that might make you look <gasps> alive, which is a terrible thing to be dun, when you're dun, a vampire. Dun. So this is a story about Vlad understanding that it's okay to be different when you're a vampire. Okay, and then our next picture book is Just Because by the one and only Matthew McConaughey, who is... McConaughey? Yes, that's how you say his name. How do you say his name? Matthew McConaughey. Or Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey. However you... Matthew, we know you're listening. Please... Slide into our DMs and tell us. we know you're a fan. (laughs) Tell us how to pronounce your name. It's a picture book. um, And it's about contradictions and how you can hold contradicting feelings at the same time. So, like, you can be really scared but also really excited at the same time. You can um, hurt someone's feelings but – or have your feelings hurt by someone but also forgive them when you're hurt by them. So how we hold these sort of, like – complex things uh, but for children which i think is a great idea all right mariah what is popping at the store this week um so wednesday at 10 we have our weekly story time with amanda and lovey this is at 10 a.m if you come at 10 p.m you'll be disappointed yeah um we are close also your children should be sleeping yes please (laughs) get them to bed um so you should come and Bring your children to that. There's so many fun, like, Halloween-y fall books that Amanda has really enjoyed reading to the kiddos. You said weenie. Halloween-y. <laughs> Halloween-y. Um, this is not an episode about penetration, Mariah. <laughs> you can be excited and scared at the same time. <laughs> um And then Thursday at 7 p.m., we have Cocktails and Convos with author Chris Jones, who wrote Swine Republic. Um, This is going to be a a pretty packed event, I I believe. And I know um, this book is about environmentalism and the impact that Iowa's agriculture has had on um, Iowa's environment I know Bailey has read it and loved it. Um, it's very, it's been very popular. A super buzzy book, um, and this is your chance to hear a really great conversation with this author. So you should definitely stop by. And then Friday at seven p.m., we have Found in Translation, where we are discussing the International Booker Award-winning novel Tomb of Sand. Um, which I am very, very excited for because in this cohort of International Booker nominees was also Cursed Bunny by Bora Chung and Love in the Big City uh, by Song Young Park. And both of those novels, I think, are brilliant. Cursed Bunny was far and away one of my favorite books of last year. And so to believe that those two didn't win and this one won. I'm very curious to see mm. why and what my beloved club members think of it. Um, so I would get started on this book as soon as you hear this podcast if you want to come because it is very long and uh, the the club is in three days. Um, and then on Saturday from 1130 to 130 a.m. and p.m. respectively, <laughs> uh, we are going to be having voter registration. It is always important to make sure that uh, you support our democracy and engage in your civic duty by voting. So this is one way you can rival mm-hmm. Donald Trump in town is yes. you can register to vote yes. against him. And while you're at the store, you could pick up a copy of Demon Copperhead. Or like two. Or two to give or to three. a friend. Or three. Maybe you have Spread the love. like a, a chair that's a little wobbly. You know, you could. <laughs> That'd be a very wobbly chair. <laughs> An enormously wobbly chair. I don't know what if people's chairs are like. enormously wobbly furniture, it could also be used for that. Yeah, I'm just trying to say it's multi-purpose. It's also a very hefty book. So it would be great for like swatting flies or self-defense. <laughs> um, it's a multi-purpose. If you have like a really high step, you could like 
soften that journey for you? Yeah, yeah. Barbara was thinking of you when she wrote this she book. She was, because Barbara's like that. Yeah. And the least you could do is buy her book. Yeah, the very least. Okay. Keep the lattes flowing and the books going. Happy 69th episode, Mariah. Thanks for joining me. Happy 69th <laughs> episode, Ellen, my boss. <laughs> Remember, uh, subscribe, like, follow, because you want to find out what's happening in Dog Eared Books every single week. Yep. And if you don't live in Ames, you can always follow us on social or hit our website to order books. Follow us at, at Dog Eared Books Ames or at Dog Eared Books on TikTok. All right, listeners, keep the champagne flowing and the books going. This is so great. It's so great. <laughs>